What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Marcos Villegas, founder of Fight Up TV. And today's guest is the undefeated IBF super middleweight champion, Caleb Sweethands Plant. Caleb speaks on his win over Caleb Truax on January 30th, his thoughts on Canelo's recent win over Avni Yildrum, the Canelo versus Saunders fight that's happening on May 8th, and if Canelo Alvarez will be his next opponent in September for an undisputed fight. Before we start, do us a big favor and follow us on social media at Fight Up TV, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video version of this interview. We now present to you, Caleb Plant. Hey, what's up, everybody? Marcos Villegas being joined with the undefeated IBF super middleweight champion of the world, Caleb Sweethands Plant, where we're going to talk all sorts of stuff regarding his division, one of the hottest divisions in boxing right now, the super middleweight division. Caleb, thank you uh, for joining me. Uh, how have you been uh, since your victory over Caleb Truax a few weeks ago? Being good, man. Just doing a little bit of, uh, you know, resting, kicking my feet up. And, um, you know, here recently just getting back, you know, doing a couple of little things, uh, you know, some curls, some push-ups, you know, some pull-ups, stuff like that. Just trying to keep things in check. And uh, slowly here it'll start to, uh, you know, be a little more and more. So You took a break, right? You, you took a little vacation? Like you let your body and mind relax? Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit. Yeah? What do you do to unwind, man? Um. We went snowboarding. Uh, that was cool. I, I went once like two years ago for the first time and uh, we wanted to go again. And it was a good time, you know, not doing nothing too crazy, not trying to be, you know, in X Games mode or anything like that. But it was a good time. Did you, uh, did you see Tank when he went snowboarding on his live? <laughs> yeah, I did see that. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, are you good at snowboarding or were you fumbling around like he was? Uh, I, I'm, I'm decent. I'm yeah. not like, you know, I wouldn't say I'm good or anything, but I picked up really quick two years ago when we first went. And then this last time I was, I was doing good too. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with, uh, you, uh, getting back into training, when you say that, you know, you've been doing some pull-ups some push-ups and all that, that's obviously the maintain. Uh, is that what you normally do? Like after a, a fight, does that happen like two weeks after a fight where you just start kind of doing like light running and light workouts? Yeah, just, you know, I, I, anyone who knows me, you know me, you know, I'm not a, a fighter who's going to blow up and wait or, you know, just let themselves go and then come in eight weeks out or 10 weeks out or 12 weeks out and, you know, start trying to get everything in together real quick. You know, this is, I take this sport really serious. You know, I have a lot of respect for this sport. This sport has done a lot for me. And, um, you know, I want to treat it, you know, give back to it the same way. So, you know, I try to make sure I'm always on top of things and, 
you know, even, you know, a month out, you know what I'm saying? I'm on my, on my gallon of water, making sure I'm, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. So, man, it's hard to drink a gallon of water. It's not that hard. It's man. hard, man. Cause you get it's full. Like it's just like a habit. You know, if you, if you do it consistently and you stay on it, you know, it's just like anything else. Eventually it'll be, it won't be nothing. Come on, man. Step it up. <laughs> It, it's true but yeah I, I get full i get full that's my problem i i, I tried and i just I, I don't know i i just i just can't man um with the the last fight that you had caleb um i talked to you about your hand how's your hand doing um it's good you know i've been resting at no impact you know what i'm saying as far as like mitts or heavy bag or anything like that but uh just been resting it and um again uh nothing was broken um, there was some ligament damage, not enough for surgery or anything like that. So it was just a situation where I just got to let it rest and and heal up. So, so it's uh, all healed up now. It's all good. Um, need to rest it a little uh, for a few more weeks, but um, just, and that's just being on the safe side. You know, I could go in now and probably start touching things, but you know, just to be safe. Uh, you know, there's plenty of other things that I can be doing and working on uh, that doesn't involve you know impact. So. In regards to that, I know you had mentioned to me in the prior interview that we had that uh, you started having hand issues maybe a few week, uh, a few fights, not not a few fights, a few years ago, maybe like two, three years ago. Um, what do you think caused the, the, the hand issue uh, this time around? I don't know. I don't know. You know, sometimes whether that's in a fight or in life, you know, sometimes things like that just come up and uh, a lot of times they're unexpected and you just got to find a way to, you know, maneuver around them and get through it. And, um, you know, I did want to stop it. So I was, you know, being honest, I, I feel like I'm an honest guy. I was disappointed in that, but, you know, other than getting the stoppage, I feel like I did everything that you would want a fighter to do. And that's, uh, to shut out somebody on all three judges scorecards. You know, uh, he only landed 12% of his punches. So the defense is there and I landed like 40 or 50% of my power punches. So the offense was there as well. So, you know, but being able to sit down on them and, you know, put, put certain things together, it can make things like that. You know a little more difficult but other than that you know i'm really happy with my performance and the viewership was great as well so you know i feel like my viewership it keeps climbing and climbing so i have to absolutely touch on canelo how close was that fight to being made when it was being discussed back in december um i think uh you know it's a fight that i wanted as you said before you've seen me you've been um Watching me, I've been I've been uh, working throughout the whole pandemic. You know that I'm a disciplined fighter. I keep my weight in check, and so it's a fight that I wanted, and it's a fight that I raised my hand for. And um, I'm a fighter. That's what I want to do. But um, my manager, Luis Jacubis, he just felt like uh, with that being five weeks away, which is about four weeks of training, he felt like uh, for a fight of that magnitude, um, he, he just he didn't want to pull the trigger on it. And, you know, I respect uh, Luis for that because he he is the best at what he does. And um, that would have been a fight that he would have made a big payday on, too. But he was looking past that and looking uh, for, you know, what's in my best interest. I'm a fighter. I want to fight. That's what I love to do. So um, but that's why I have a great team around me. And um, they said, let's slow down. You know, this is a fight that's going to get made. Uh, Canelo and his team saying the Caleb plants, you know, our fight's going to happen. Me and my team, we're saying the fight's going to happen. So, you know, you guys can rest assured that at some point we're going to have our showdown. So. Do you think the, the, the lack of time for the fight uh, affected Callum uh, at all? Um, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. Um, you know, but that's what him and his team wanted to do. I felt like it was, uh, 
you know, it's commendable anyone who laces up the gloves and gets in there, especially with Canelo or, or someone to get in there at this level. Um, but at the end of the day, I kind of feel like it was a money grab. And um, as I said before, you know, the money is important, but that's not why I started this. And that's not why I take fights. It's not about money. It's about more than that. It's about respect. It's about legacy. And, um, you know, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I don't feel like, you know, that's fair. I feel like I'm a world-class champion. And I feel like I deserve world-class world respect. And um, so I kind of feel like at the end of the day, like I said, a bit of a money grab for him, but still hats off to him. He got in there and, and did his best, I guess. Yeah, you don't want to go in a situation that you would be at a at a disadvantage. Yeah, I mean, if if he's the pound for pound king, like everyone states he is or claims that he is, and he feels like he's the best, then why do you need to give somebody, you know, four weeks of training? You know, so that's my take on it. And again, that's a fight that I felt like I would have been ready for and prepared for. But at the end of the day, um, Luis, he just felt like that that wasn't the best idea. And um I trust in my team. I trust his decision, and uh, we're still going to have the fight. So it's not like it's not like we're not going to have our showdown. So, man, there, there's so many good fights there for you. Like honestly, you know, the, but the Canelo one like gets me really, really excited just because the, the style between you and him. And I feel that you, you know, and a lot of people have said this because a lot of people have given me slack uh, about like um, when comparing you to the other ones because you know I, I made a comment on Twitter that said that I, that I felt that you and, and David Benavides were a lot better. Than Callum Smith, regardless of the rankings, and, and I, I got attacked, you know, over that. But you know, just your your style is a very hard style, man. You're you're, you're very complete, and giving you know, your size as well. Like to me, that's such an interesting fight with you and Canelo. Like how he's going to be able to deal with what you bring, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a big fight again, like you said. And um, I feel like I have all the tools. Matter of fact, I know that I have all the tools necessary to get my hand raised, um, and in fashion in that fight against Canelo. And that fight will happen. So you know, everybody keeps sweating it and freaking out. They just need to relax and calm down. <laughs> well, it's boxing because you know, like these fights don't happen. That, that that's the thing. So when you hear two world champions tell us in the media and then tell everybody else like no th this fight's gonna happen you know th there is times where we're like i don't know they say but you know i don't know well everything that i've said thus far i went out and done so whether that was that i was going to win that world title in fashion against jose uzgatagi when nobody wanted to fight him um whether it's you know and i'm not comparing these next two fighters to jose or canelo but when i said i'd knock out mike lee when i said i'd knock out vincent so everything I've said that I do, I've went out and done it. So let's have a little faith. You know what I'm saying? I've done, it. I've done what I said I was going to do before. His team's telling you. My team's telling you. And again, it's not just the fighters telling you. It's the teams around them telling you as well. So this fight will happen. He's looking to become undisputed. I'm looking and I'm going to become undisputed. And there's only one way to make that happen. So, and that's us getting the ring and fight. What do you make uh, of the take the fans had about you not being able to stop a guy like Truax and then wanting a, a fight with Canelo with them saying like, hey, you can't even stop Truax. How are you going to fight Canelo? Yeah. Well, and who says that? The fans? Yeah. I mean, what the fans got to understand is there's a lot of ways to win a fight other than just the knockout. And, you know. The hardcore boxing fans, I feel like these days are less than what it once was. You know, a lot of, a lot of day, you know, a lot of times these days, you know, it's a lot of casual fans, and uh, they show up for the for the event and they show up for the knockout, and um, you know, 
I stopped my last three opponents, but or not, I didn't stop Jose, but you know, I got the knockdowns in that fight. But um, you know, sometimes, like I said, things like that come up. And uh, you know, with some ligament damage to your hand, sometimes getting a stoppage and really sitting down like you want to, it can make things a little more difficult. So, you know, you can't please everybody. You know what I'm saying? So at one point, Deontay Wilder was knocking out everybody and they was hating on his boxing skill, his boxing ability. They questioned his uh, conditioning and stuff like that. So it's like if I was knocking everybody out, then they'd be saying one thing. If I was boxing everybody up, they'd be saying one thing. So you just got to, you know, you can't worry about what everybody else says. If I was if I was here to make everybody else happy, you know, I probably wouldn't even be here. So let me ask you this. Is that how you've always taken criticism since you were very young or it's been like a, a process to get to this point where you just ignore pretty much what uh, people are saying? Um, well, a bit of it I've had my whole life, you know, listening to what people said or what they thought. You know, I've had a lot of uh, criticism in this sport. You know, I haven't always, I don't know what the word is, been accepted maybe in this sport. And, you know, people have had a lot of things to say about me. And, um, you know, they, they didn't believe that I would be here. You know, when I told people back home, I don't come from a place where there's a big boxing culture. So when I told them that I'd be a pro boxer to one day, they didn't believe me. When I told them I'd be a going club national champion, they didn't believe me. When I told them I'd be a world champion, they didn't believe me. When I told them I'd beat Jose Uzgatagi to become a world champion, they didn't believe me. So I'm not looking to be believed. You know, I'm not looking to have a believable career. I'm looking to have an unbelievable career. And, uh, you know, over time, you you uh you get better at dealing with it because more comes and you learn how to deal with it better. But you know I've always had that sense of kid that you know it doesn't matter what they say. I, I know what I believe. I know what I feel in my heart, and uh, this is what I'm going to stick with. So I asked Virgil Ortiz this question because Virgil is more of like a a, a introvert. He he likes to keep to himself. And I asked him, "Is it a priority for you to become a big star? Is that what you want?" He said he told me no if I had a choice to to be successful in boxing and, and make good purses and, and not be famous, I would choose that route. Uh, you're a very quiet guy. You keep to yourself at times, Caleb, obviously your, your brand is growing and you're getting more popular. Um, but is it a priority for you? Do you want to become a big star or, or would you rather keep it low profile? I mean, I, I uh, Outside of boxing, you know, in, in the, the real world or whatever you want to call it, you know, a lot of times I am more reserved and a lot of times because I don't feel as comfortable, you know, in those moments. And it's in boxing, you know, in the gym, in the ring where I feel more comfortable, I'm able to open up and be more of myself. So, you know, I don't know. I, it's never really been, you know, a big thing for me to be famous and to be, you know, everybody trying to grab a hold of me or whatever it may be. Boxing is my focus. You know, I, I love the sport and I love beating on my craft. I love, I love working on my craft and just staying in the gym. And, um, you know, you don't have to try to chase to be famous or, or chase money. You know, if you focus on your craft and, and you do what you love, you know, those things will come whether you want them or not. So you don't have to chase those things. Just, just stick to your craft. Speaking of uh, the craft, obviously, you know, a, a big take that people want to hear from you is what you felt about what Canelo showed um, over the weekend against his opponent, Avni Yildrim. Uh, did you watch the fight, Caleb? And were you able to get anything new from Canelo in those three rounds? Um, yeah, yeah, I seen the fight and, uh, you know, hats off to Canelo. He did what he had to do. But um, at the end of the day, I felt like he had a, a guy standing across from him who 
who had already lost before he stepped in the ring mentally. You know, uh, I've said this in interviews today recently because, like we said, the same one first one. I've been doing quite a few. Today. <laughs> you know, if you want your name to be cemented in history, if you want to be, if you want to have a legacy in this sport, if you want to be remembered, then uh, you know when you finally get your shot, you can't quit on the stool after the third round. Especially if you, you know, you're not out on your feet or, you know what I'm saying? You, you're going to have to go out on your shield. And um, so, you know, I was disappointed with that. Not disappointed. You know, he can do what he wants to. But at the end of the day, that's not how I would go about things. So, When you hear that fans get angry over the fact that Canelo was fighting that guy. Mm-hmm. And he has gotten this criticism about Canelo doesn't fight good opponents consistently. What's your take on all that? Do you, do you side with those fans saying that, or or do you feel that you know Canelo should get a pass given that situation and the other fights that he's had, given his position in the sport and who he has fought in the prior years? I mean, I don't know. I don't put too much thought or effort into that. I'm really just focused on me, and you know that there's enough on this side of the table that I have to focus on and and that I need to perfect and work on for me to be worried about what everybody else is doing. You know, I understand in boxing there's mandatories, and those mandatories are, aren't always guys that people want to see. But at the end of the day, if you don't fight that mandatory, then you'll be stripped of your world title, which if those fans were in that position, they wouldn't let that happen either. They would fight their mandatory because they're not going to be stripped of the world title. Now, how he was his mandatory, I'm not exactly sure because, you know, he hadn't his last fight, you know, two years ago, whatever the, however long ago it was, he lost. So how he was still the mandatory, I'm not really sure. But, you know, as far as mandatories go in general, you know, it's just part of the sport and it's just something that's going to have to be dealt with. And uh, if you truly love the sport, then you need to love the things that come along with it. And part of that is mandatory. So he, he must've had a great manager. That manager must be a, a, a plus plus manager. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> again, uh, yeah, that's really all I got to say. <laughs> um, it was announced after the fight. He's going into a fight with Billy Joe Saunders. I'm curious, man. Um, how do you see that fight? Is that a hard fight? Because I feel a lot of people aren't giving Saunders a chance. Yeah. I mean, uh, Billy, he's got some, uh, some attributes, you know, he's got foot speed, he's got some hand speed, and I think he's got some more mental fortitude than maybe some of these last couple opponents that Canelo's had. So how Canelo deals with that is what people are waiting to see. But, um, you know, it's up to Billy to go in there and to implement those things. You know, you can have all, all the foot speed, hand speed, boxing ability, boxing IQ, power, whatever it may be. Um, but if you can't go in there and implement it, then those things don't matter. And if Canelo is able to negate those things and Billy's not able to adjust and switch it up, then – it doesn't matter anyway, so we'll see. What, what do you make of his defensive style and his approach to fights? Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's uh, got a slick style. He's a southpaw. Um, he's got a bit of grittiness to him, too, um, a bit of a mean streak in him. And um, But, you know, some of his – some of his performances, you know, some have felt is a little bit lackluster um, in some of his world title defenses, I guess. But, you know, he, he's gotten the job done and his hand raised. And so. I don't know. Do you think he's more defensive than you? 
Um, to be honest, I haven't really, you know, sat down and broken him down a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, be hard for me to, you know, I don't want to speak on it if I'm not for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, obviously though, you know, the, the main guy that you've, uh, always had your eye on then, uh, ha has been Canelo. I, I think, you know, even, even before all this, you know, I, I, I don't know if you brought it up or I brought it up maybe like two years ago, but I remember you had mentioned like, yeah, that that's a big fight that I know. I just know that it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, just you bringing up that story right there, let you know that this isn't a situation where I'm scared or I, you know, fear him or don't want to fight. I've been telling you this fight's going to happen. And um, when it does, I'm going to get my hand raised. And, uh, but you know, if it was two years ago, I probably had 18, you know, 17 fights. So it's something that I had to work my way towards. And, um, but when that situation does uh, come about and when we do fight out, we'll be prepared. So if, if you were, helping Saunders or, or like if he reached out to you and said like and I know this probably wouldn't happen but say he did reach out to you and said hey bro you know what advice would you have for me going up against uh, a Canelo what would I do how, how do I win this fight what plan would you lay out what would you tell Saunders hands up chin down that's all yeah that's that's all you would say <laughs> he has to do more than that <laughs> he's got a team around him he can figure it out you mm -hmm. know he's a he's a world champion he's been doing this for a minute and um, if him and his people around him, you know, can't figure out what needs to be done, then, you know, it's not for him to win. You're keeping things close to the chest. Because <laughs> we know a fight with you and Canelo, hopefully, uh, in, in September. The, the, the last thing I want to touch on on this Saunders fight is can, can it be a close fight? Are you expecting a close competitive fight? Or do you think that Canelo will end up breaking him down? Um, I mean, any fight can be a close fight. You know, a fighter can go in there who's supposed to lose and uh, catch the other fighter early and cold and him not be the same for the rest of the fight. And they wind up being, uh, you know, a fight that he still loses, but was much closer than maybe it would have been. So, you know, again, everyone's got their game plan. It's, it's up to them to go in there and uh, and implement that. So, you know, that's for them guys to figure out. That ain't for me to figure out. Yeah, it's it's to me it's an interesting fight just to see to to gauge um how much Canelo has improved since his fight with uh with Laura and he does have trouble with guys like Saunders, guys like you who are very mobile, uh very good and very slick on their feet. Now speaking of you and Canelo, uh he's said in interviews he wants to fight, his goal is to unify, be undisputed at 168. You've told me, you've told countless other people you want the fight also. Um, you want to be undisputed at 168. Uh, he did an interview where he, he said maybe that this fight could happen in September. Does this fight get made in September, Caleb? I mean, it takes two to dance, but yes, that's what we want. That's what I want. You know, that's been my goal for a long time is to be an undisputed fighter and to be the first undisputed super middleweight. And, um, you know, I'm in this for legacy. This isn't a money grab for me. If this was a money grab for me, I would have took the fight on, you know, five weeks notice with a four week training camp like Callum did. You know, this is not a money grab for me. I, um, I'm coming to win. And anyone who thinks any different is sadly mistaken and they'll see in September. So um, I'm coming to win. How complicated is it to make this fight happen? Or is it a, a, an easy fight to be made? Look, I'm a fighter. That's what I do is fight. And that's what I'm best at. And so in life, you know, I try to stick to what I'm best at. And that's fighting and training. I got a great team around me. You know, it goes without saying, you know, Al Heyman is the best at what he does. Luis DeCubis is one of the best at what he does, if not the best at what he does. So, 
you know, I got a great team around me and I'm confident in my team. And look, he's looking to become undisputed and I'm looking to become undisputed. And there's only one way for that to happen. So. Because I, I, I'm thinking, you know, obviously he's with Eddie Hearn now, though. This is his last fight with Saunders. Um, he's on the DAZN platform. Obviously, you're a PBC fighter. You're on Fox. There could be some complications there. If something was offered where they say, hey, we have one fight on DAZN, one fight on Fox. Is that something you could deal with? Is it possible that we could see you just for one fight go to DAZN to make this happen? Look, I'm not. I'm not really not sure. You know, I haven't thought that far. I, I'm a fighter. You know, I let my team. I let my team figure all that. I want the fight to happen. He wants the fight to happen, and so I'm sure it'll happen in September. But other than that, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of you know what needs to be done to make the fight happen. He's got something in front of him uh, before me anyway, so you know he's got to get past that, and uh, you know then we can sit down and figure it out. And until then, you know, we're really just we're really just talking. You know what I'm saying? So. I want the fight to happen and he wants it to happen. So, you know, I'm sure our teams will get together and make it happen. So you're pretty confident then you're not, you're not uh, worried that there might be some like little technicality that makes it so that the fight is impossible to happen. I mean, again, you know, I, I can't, you know, there's nothing really else I can say besides that. I want the fight to happen, but I don't know all the ins and outs of that. You know what I'm saying? I have a great team around me. They've done a great job this far. I'm sure you can agree with getting me where I am. And, um, you know, we both want the fight to happen. So do you beat Canelo and do you beat him pretty convincingly in your I, mind? Or I, do you feel I, it's a close fight? I absolutely beat Canelo and get my hand raised. I absolutely beat Canelo and get my hand raised. Again, I truly believe that in my heart of hearts. I'm going to beat Canelo Alvarez. And I'm going to become the first undisputed super middleweight of all time. Man, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, if you I think just, I'm blowing smoke, if you think I'm no, blowing, no listen to me. If you think yeah. I'm blowing smoke, if you think I'm going to go from rope to rope and corner to corner getting beat up like Callum Smith did, or if you think I'm going to shell up in front of him like Yildrim did and then quit on my stool after the third round, I promise me, I promise you that you don't know nothing about me. If you know anything about me at all, you know that that's not going to happen. I promise you. So watch and see. That's a man right there with conviction. Speaking about this Canelo Alvarez fight. Um, over the weekend, Anthony Durrell fought uh, Chiron Davis, and he mentioned something to us in, in the fighter meeting, which I just wanted to get your comment on. You know, he mentioned that he was offered a fight with you, and that you said that you uh, he said that you passed on it to fight Caleb Truax, and he's like, I, I don't know why I wanted a title shot. Uh, was there any truth to that statement that he put out? Um, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I knew that you know Caleb Truax was my mandatory. And me and my team's plan was to, uh, you know, get that back-to-back -back mandatory out of the way. That way, moving forward, you know, that there wouldn't be any hiccups or any bumps in the road that would uh, conflict with us, you know, getting that unification fight or getting a unification fight and giving a big fight with what, you know, what the fans want to see. So, you know, I'm not sure his handlers or his team or what he's got going on, but, um, you know, I, I knew that our plan was to fight Caleb Truax. That way, with, you know, the IBF being as strict as they are, on mandatories that way moving forward, you know, down the road later this year, there wouldn't be no hiccups. So do you think that I'm ducking Anthony Durrell? I don't. I've said this to fans when they bring up this talk. You guys are fighters, okay? This comes so natural to you guys that I, like, I honestly 110% don't believe that fighters are afraid to fight because this is what you guys do for a living and this is what you guys have been doing since you were little kids. 
So yeah. like to, to me, like when people say that, and, and I say this in my live chats all the time, I'm like, dude, that's, that's like asking a stripper if she's afraid to strip. <laughs> stripper strips. She sees the pool. She's going to strip. She's going to dance. That's what she does. And this is what you guys do. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he was in ringside for my Jose Uzgatagi fight, who's a much more dangerous fighter, um, especially at the time. Now, I may have, you know, taken his soul. He may not be the same fighter after that. And we've seen that with many fighters. They get, the, they get a lot of momentum. They get this bully aura around them, and then they get beat. And then they're not the same fighter after. But he, he knows how good I am. He knows what's up. And, uh, you know, if he can't beat Kyron Davis, then, you know, surely I'm not scared or ducking Anthony Durrell. So... From now to September, the, the money question is, do you have another fight or do you just kind of lie and wait and see how this all shakes out with Canelo and Saunders? Um, I'm just I'm waiting until September, you know, with a hand injury. I don't want to get back in the gym too soon and start beating on it and, uh, you know, have it flare up or, or have any issues. So, you know, letting it fully heal, fully rest and then fight September is uh, sounds like a great plan to me. You know, most fighters in this era and at this stage, uh, at this caliber, you know, usually fight twice a year anyways. And before the pandemic, I was fighting twice a year, most world champions and, you know, uh, we're fighting twice a year. So, you know, for me to fight in January and then to fight in September, that would be right on pace for what I would normally be doing anyway. So um, I'll see Canelo in September if he gets past Billy Joe. I just hope he doesn't come injured uh, or come off injured in that fight because then obviously, you know, it would push the fight back a little bit. But man, uh, you and him, uh, Mexican Independence Day, that that's, that's an event, man. That that's a big, big fight. You gonna be there? Heck yeah, I'm gonna be there. <laughs> man, sure. when's the last time we seen this? Is such a good year for boxing because we're seeing, uh, you know, you potentially um, with Canelo to be undisputed. Uh, we're seeing the heavyweights potentially be undisputed. We're seeing 140 pounds potentially be undisputed. 154 pounds potentially being undisputed. You see Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, yeah. This is a wow. Like we're we're in. It's good to be a boxing fan right now, given that there's so many weight categories that we could finally say, like, hey, no, this this guy's the champ. Like undisputed. Like no no doubt. Like this guy has all the belts. Yeah, I mean it's a great time for boxing, and you know I feel like it's a great time for, uh, to be a boxing fan, and. um you know, sometimes mandatories and things like that come about. But, hey, sometimes, you know, in any sport, you see a, a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team, you know, uh, play another team that's just going to get demolished or, you know, they don't want to see that because they like this team better. Or, you know, in boxing, I don't want to see him fight him because I like this fighter better. But, hey, sometimes those things uh, come about. But like you said, I feel like it's a great time to uh, be a boxing fan. And, um, you know, with a lot of these big fights being on Fox, uh, you know, free television for everybody to see. I, I feel like it's a great time. Will you be at the Saunders fight? Will, will you make your presence felt? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> just to just be like, yo, bro, come on. I'm next. Let's go. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see. We'll see. Probably will. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Before this, you know, I was doing my prep work and I was reading uh, some of the quotes um, that uh, the writers had written. And uh, it, a lot of things that were brought up, like a, a common theme was you saying that you do this for legacy and respect. In um, a time now where it seems that a majority of fighters are just money, 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 you know, how much have you made in order to get a fight with me? This is not common to hear a fighter say, no, it's, it's more than that. It's about, you know, legacy and respect. Can you elaborate on why that means so much to you as a boxer? 
Well, you know, if it again, if it was just about money and just, you know, I didn't believe in my heart or feel like I could take this thing all the way, then it would have been easy to just take a money grab with Canelo on short notice. But, you know, again, like I said, it is it is more than just about money to that. And that is a part. You know, if it wasn't a part, I could have just stayed amateur and kept trying to make the Olympic team. But um, it is a lot more than that for me. I, I'm chasing. I want to be great. You know, I've uh, anyone who knows my story, you know, they know that I have taken a lot of losses. And um, some of those people who I've lost, you know, those people will soon be forgotten about forever. And no one ever to mention the name again besides me and maybe my close family and friends from here, here and there. And um, that's not something that I want. You know, I want my name written in stone. You know, I, I want to be remembered forever. You know, I don't want to be somebody or accomplish something that can be erased and forgot about. You know, I want my legacy written in stone, like I said, that that uh, remains forever. Mm, it's, it's important. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, I, I could certainly feel like that, uh, feel where you're coming from um, when it comes to, especially being a professional athlete. Um, you know, you, you want to, you know, be put in the same stratosphere as the greats that came before you, you know, yeah. and, I mean, and, I, I've literally sacrificed my whole life. Like, I can't tell you how many Christmases I've missed, Thanksgivings I've missed, you know, family get togethers that I've missed, things as a child that I've missed out on. And, you know, I'm not complaining because, you know, as you see, look what it's gotten. But I didn't do that for nothing and I didn't do it and I haven't done it just for it to be erased and, and forgotten about, you know, I'm looking to take this thing all the way. And um, if it was just about money, you know, I've made seven figures a couple times already. So if it was about money, then my motivation would be starting to run out. But for me, it's just, I'm, I'm just getting going. I'm just starting. And I've said this in other interviews recently where it's just, it's silly to me when, you know, be, people become a world champion and then they start having the mentality that, you know, I'm not the hunter anymore. I'm the hunted. That's not the case for me. I'm still hunting. I'm, st I'm still on a mission. And uh, I'm not at the peak of the mountain. I'm just at the base. And uh, there's still a lot more in the sport that I want to accomplish and that I'm going to accomplish. And so for me to put my foot off the, you know, take my foot off the gas now would be foolish. You know, I was talking to uh, my girlfriend yesterday uh, about what gravitates me towards boxing because she asked me, you know, and it's like, and I told her it's, it's, it's the little miracles that, that, that the sport allows to happen. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, boxing is one of the few sports where you're, you're, you're dirt poor. You can be dirt poor and end up being a multimillionaire or a success where you see these guys suffer through, through so much and, and they make it. And, and that's the part to see a dream come true right before your eyes. Um, that, that really, you know, just makes you fall in love with the sport and, and it makes you emotional. It makes you really feel for the athletes that, that are involved in the sport. You know, like you mentioned, and I know your story as well, you know, you, you come from very, very humble beginnings. Um, you know, you're now through the, through your hard work, you're enjoying, you know, the fruits of your labor. Um, but I, you know, I was thinking too, you know, cause I didn't grow up in, in no middle-class home. You know, I, I grew up pretty dang poor and, and it just made me think like, remembering like the, the food that I would eat like growing up. And I'm like, okay, you know, Caleb grew up poor. I'm like, what, what was like your favorite food, favorite, like poor food, like growing up that, that you would make, like mine would be like, I'd get uh toast 
and I'd put syrup on it. And that would be my breakfast would be like toast and syrup uh, because, you know, we, we couldn't even really have anything else. Well, you know, what, what were your, like some some creative things that you did uh, for food uh, back growing up? Um, you know, I can remember, uh, you know, my mom going down to the uh, to the Bethesda Center and, you know, them being able to donate food for us to be a place that people would drop food off for, you know, maybe some of the lower income families and then the lower income families would be able to come and pick up canned foods and, you know, just different groceries and stuff like that. Um, but to be honest, I never, it's hard to say my favorite, you know, because being in that lower cast, you know, it irritated me. You know, I felt like it, it was, it wasn't ever something I wanted to be a part of. I, I've always, you know, thought, man, this is, this is no way for us to be living. This is not, and, you know, it felt like some of the people around me were just like, okay with it. And just, you know, they were fine with being in that situation or that predicament. And I always just was so irritated by that, that, man, this is no way to live. This is no way to be. And, um, but, you know, Pop-Tarts, uh, I like ramen noodles. Ramen noodles are good. I lived on ramen noodles, man. I'd, I'd put ramen with tuna. <laughs> yeah, ramen noodles or make like toast and put cheese on it and then put like pepperonis on it or something like uh -huh. that. <laughs> you get creative when you don't have a lot of money, man. <laughs> okay, you got to figure it out. You gotta figure yeah. It out. Like uh, cocoa pebbles is chocolate milk or whatever milk you don't have. You save it up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, I, when I look back at that time, you know, I, I think it, it developed a lot of the character that I have in, in terms of um, being able to, persevere during hard times but also you know uh character of hard work i i think you know because it, you grow up in a, in a background like that you 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 tend to appreciate a lot more things that normally i think other people in, in a better economic situation wouldn't appreciate yeah yeah and just um you know kind of going back to what my father would always tell me you know everything has to be right everything has to be right everything has to be right you know when you come from a certain place you don't have many opportunities to keep messing up and still be able to make it. You know, it's like you're already so far behind. There's no, there's not a whole lot of room for error. And so, you know, maybe some people come from a place where you're able to make a lot of errors and still become successful. But when you're already so far behind, there's not a lot of room for error and everything does have to be right. So, you know, not only my father telling me that, but just the environment that I grew up in, basically, you know, and along with my father reiterating that, you know, that things have to be right. Because like I said, when you're that far behind, there's not a lot of room for you to keep making mistakes and keep messing up and keep not taking it serious and being disciplined and being one foot in, one foot out. You know, there's no room for that. You're a perfectionist. Like that's carried, yeah. And I feel like that's carried over even into now with me being a world champion and, and not being in that situation. You know, I still realize that there's a lot to a lot to accomplish. And I know that if I want to, then there, there's not a lot of room for error. There's, there's no room to be undisciplined. There's no room to be halfway in and halfway out, to be partying, to be drinking, to be smoking, you know, to be at the club. There, there is no room for that. If I'm looking to, if I'm really looking to set out and accomplish what I want out of life, then everything has to be right. Let me ask you this, because uh, based on what you said, I already know that you're, you're your hardest critic. You have to be, because that's what I've encountered in life with people that, um, have to be perfect in things you're very very harsh on yourself do you ever feel that you put too much pressure on yourself to be perfect um no no i mean i don't look at myself as me being too hard you know 
what is being too hard on yourself when you're looking to become the first undisputed champion? What is, what is too hard on yourself at that point? You know, and that's a real question that I'm asking. Mm-hmm. What do you think is too hard? Hmm. Well, I, I would say, you know, if, if obviously if you do something and everybody tells you, no, like that was a flawless performance and you go, no, it wasn't, you know, I didn't like this little thing I did here or, or that, or like, if someone tells you like during camp, like, no, that this is the best you've ever been. And you, you have this underlying thought in your head, like, no, it's not good enough. Like, do you ever feel like, no, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe uh, in sparring is your best, the best sparring that you've ever had in a camp, but it was against, it was to beat those guys that you're sparring, but we're not looking to beat those guys that we're sparring. We're looking to become the first undisputed super middleweight of all time. And in order to do that, you have to beat people at a much higher level than that. And so, yeah, it may have been, it may have been good enough for that, but that's losing focus of the real goal. The real goal is not to just be good enough to win sparring against those guys. Again, that, that'd be losing focus because that's not the goal. The goal is to become one of the greatest of all time which means you're going to have to perform and accomplish those things at a much higher level against much better boxers. So as long as you keeping your, your eyes on the real goal, which, which requires you to be honest with yourself, you know, you can't lie to yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. Then, you know, you'll be good. You'll be all right. Hey man, uh, this to me has been a really good chat because it really, really made me understand how you think and how you approach things. And that to me is very, very fascinating. Like I get it now as to how you approach things and why some people may, may have looked at the Canelo situation and been like, what is this guy doing? Like, why, why did he pass up on it? Like, I get it now. Like I get your thought process yeah. uh, on it and everything. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I fear no man, you know, uh, all the things that I'm scared of in life have already happened to me. So as far as me fearing someone or fearing that this is going to happen or that's going to happen, you know, those aren't things that I'm scared of. What I'm scared of is not taking care of business and not working, you know, like I'm supposed to and doing everything right. And, you know, wanting back where I started. That's what I, you know, that's something to be scared of. Hey, Caleb, man, uh, it was good chatting with you. Thank you for uh, that update on, on everything. And uh, you, you think if Canelo does beat Saunders in May, when do you think or when would you like to start your camp? I mean, I'm already, you know, doing some things now. And, uh, you know, usually a a world championship training camp is eight weeks out. You know, I do pre-camp before that. And then even the months before that, you know, I'm in the gym working. People know, you know, you know, I'm a discipline fighter. You know, you know, I, you know, I treat this, uh, this craft with respect. And, uh, you know, you know that I'm on a year round. So. I said this was the last question, but I, I got to ask this because it just came in mind and I do want to know this. So this will be a, will be the last question I have for you. Going into a, a camp for a Canelo, how do you feel that's going to make you better? Like, I, I, what do you think it's going to bring out of you? Like, how, how are you going to improve tenfold from the, the Caleb plan of last year, from the Caleb plan of, in the Caleb Truax fight? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, when you step up in competition, um, you know, it can bring the best out of fighters. And, uh, you know, there also be crowd, you know, crowd there and fans. And, you know, I think that, that that makes a big difference, at least for some fighters. Not all fighters are the same, but you see somebody like, you know, Josh Warrington. He seems like somebody who feeds off the crowd and, and feeds off the energy, whether he's being booed or being cheered on. 
And, uh, you know, just having that pressure on a fighter, you know, some people step up to the occasion and um, it brings the best out of them. And then some people are gym fighters, you know, they do the best when no one's really watching, no one's really there. And some fighters don't do the best in that situation. I feel like I've always been the fighter who who steps up and uh, the best is brought out of them when all the pressure's on. And, uh, you know, the way the world is on them. And this is a fight where that's definitely going to be the case, you know, whether it's the fans, whether it's the media, whether it's just the atmosphere in general. And uh, I've always been that. I've always been that guy who steps up at that moment. And um, so I feel like that's going to bring the best out of me. You see the best Caleb Plant you've seen yet. Caleb, man, thanks uh, for the chat. Thanks for the update. Thank you so much. This man right here looking to be undisputed super middleweight champion of the world, uh, hoping uh, the world is hoping. All boxing fans are hoping. I'm not looking to be and I'm not hoping to be. I will be. So, Man with conviction right there. Hopefully in September, though, we get the fight. We yes. get the fight uh, that we all want to see. Uh, Caleb, thank you so much, man. Good chat with you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.